From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson and I have Kyle Winslow here and we're in the Thinking Out Loud studios. We are so excited to be back with you for another episode this week. And so we're going to talk about something that is on the minds of everybody across America and even the world. The world is looking at us. And so we want to just delve into the topic today of blue lives. Our police officers, those that are in law enforcement, we realize that there is a lot of tremendous unrest across the country. In almost every state, there is unrest because of some of the things that have happened. And so we're well aware of the shootings of George Floyd, Jacob Blake, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Philando Castile, Breonna Taylor, and people are just up in arms about these things. And so, you know, we hear a lot from the media. We hear a lot from social media experts and we hear a lot from friends and family. But what we don't hear a lot of is an actual police officer's view. None of us, unless you are a police officer, most of us are not in law enforcement. We have our ideas of what we think should happen. But of course, a lot of times that is misguided and, and we have just a small snippet. And some of these videos, 30 seconds, maybe a minute of seeing what happened from an officer's standpoint of view. So today we have, we've, we've, we've got an officer on with us. Officer Smith has decided to come on the, the show with us today. And we're just going to be open and have an open and honest dialogue about all the things that have taken place over this past few months, uh, even year. And we were so grateful that this officer joined us today. He is decorated uh, in the sense that he spent some time in the Marines before he came as a patrolman now. But so when you talk about law and order, he understands law and order. So spending that time in the Marines now, he is out there every single day protecting us as civilians. And so an Officer Smith joins us now. Officer Smith, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Absolutely. And so I wanted to start off with Pew Research, which I love. They do a lot of research and statistics. And one of their statistics says a majority of both black and white Americans say black people are treated less fairly than whites in dealing with the police and by the criminal justice system. In a 2019 center survey, 84 percent of black adults said that in dealing with police, blacks are generally treated less fairly than whites. Sixty three percent of whites said the same. Similarly, 87% of blacks and 61% of whites said the U.S. criminal justice system treats black people less fairly. And so we see these statistics. We hear all of these things. And, and, you know, I have thoughts. Kyle has thoughts about these things personally. But we have always promised you on this show that we are about the facts. We're about getting the truth out. We are not interested in just doing something out of emotion. Our desire is to figure out what is the truth behind blue lives and what they're doing out there. So, you know, one of the things, officer, that I want to just kick off this session with you is training. Okay. We talk about training with police officers. And, you know, when, when I'm stopped, whether I'm a black man, 
white man, yellow man, it doesn't matter, my race, when I am stopped by an officer, what are the rights that I have as a citizen when you, when you stop me? So most of the time, we just leave it. Uh, it. It's like, I'll just tell you exactly what I'm expecting from you every time I pull you over. That was my only uh, like example for it. So you have the right to know what you were stopped for. So if somebody pulled you over, they could you know tell you exactly what it was they stopped you for so you wouldn't have any questions about it. You can know the officer's name and I don't know how much further you want to go. It, it depends on like what you got pulled over for, you know, the different type of rights that are affected at that time. Mm-hmm. Let's start with just a simple traffic stop. A lot of what we've seen probably in the last couple of years, especially with the racial tension, uh, the police brutality cases, uh, we see a lot of people who they call them street lawyers, but they'll record their interactions with the police officer and they'll say, well, sir, why am I being stopped? Can you tell me why I'm being stopped? Can you kind of walk us through just a simple traffic stop? And if you can go a little further with that and tell us how that changes your approach as an officer when you can tell someone's clearly not being compliant just for the fact of being rebellious for the video's sake. Yeah. So um, in the beginning of the traffic stop, so if you got pulled over for uh, running a stop sign or something, I would come to your window, introduce myself. I would let you know that you're being recorded because a lot of us wear recordings now, so we can record the encounter as well. I would also let you know why I stopped you. That, and it's usually like in that order, you know, so you know everything that's going on. If I saw that you're recording, for the most part, I just don't even pay attention to it. I just, you know, we're both recording each other, so I'm fine with it. When I come up to you, I can ask you for your license, registration, and proof of insurance. The laws say that they are supposed to be uh, readily available. So that means that when I, once I ask, you should be able to present them to me or tell me where you're going to get them from. And if they're not, it's at that point that I can write a ticket. So somebody always asked me that if what was it like if you're searching around in your car for what 15 sometimes 15 minutes it, it gets ridiculous um mm-hmm. for your insurance or your registration i can just issue a ticket and then just end that traffic stop right there you know what i'm saying we have another way to figure out if you have insurance and all of that but you know the law says it's supposed to be readily available so that means that you need to give it to me right when i ask for it or it's you know a ticket that ticket can later on be canceled but that's a whole different story Right, right. And so what I'm hearing is if I'm stopped and, you know, I should probably have my insurance, my registration, all the things that you're going to need. I should have that in a place anyway in my any anyway in my car where I can just readily get it. That way it doesn't seem like I am, you know, reaching for something as an officer. You have no idea what I'm reaching for. You know, you, I, you know, you know what you asked me to get. But depending on the type of person I am, I could be reaching for something else. So, you know, and and I think this is what people don't understand about, you know, uh, police officers is that they are on edge all the time because they have no idea who they're dealing with. You know, and sometimes they do because they can pull up their records or something like that before they even approach the car. Uh, but even more so, if they've seen that this person has already been in jail or or have had armed robbery or or some of these other things, you know, it's I assume and, and you can, you know, correct me on this, officer, but I assume that that heightens your your suspicion of what this person may have. So so talk to me a little bit about that. If you stop somebody and you see in their history that they are, you know, they've done some violent things before. How are you approaching that car? It will affect you and make you be a lot more cautious because now you're like, um, even if it pops up on the record that they uh, were previously arrested for assaulting a police officer, you know what I'm saying? Now that has you thinking like, um, <laughs> I don't want to be assaulted. So <laughs> right, everything in my power to make sure nothing happens to either me or my partner if I have one. Right. But is this a thing where if a person was stopped, because a lot of these videos, it seems like that the car is approached with an officer with a gun drawn already. Now, some of them we don't we don't know because, you know, the video starts at a certain point. We don't know exactly everything that happened before that. But is it is is that the normal way of doing things? If, If you stop somebody and you see that they're a violent person 
do you automatically come out with guns drawn? Does that is that specific to why you're stopping them? If you know they're in a stolen car, do you like how does that work? The only time I've ever seen that is it would be like specific. If I don't want to say like a stolen car, but yeah, if if the situation dictates, then I would see that happening. In all of the videos, like you said, they always do just give us a little clip, so we never know what happened prior to that. Sure. Sometimes it could heighten it up if you are telling the driver like you're over the loudspeaker telling the driver to do something mm-hmm. they're not doing any of it mm-hmm. but you know it's just like i don't want to compare it to that but it's just like with your kids if you tell your kids to do something you know and they're not doing anything that you're saying to do they're just flat out ignoring you then now it's gonna you know heighten everything up right so you're gonna start changing your uh, tactics or whatever right right mm-hmm. does that does right, that answer <laughs> yeah, and, and that and that's why, and I'm glad you, Kevin. I'm glad you touched on. You know, we only get these 30 second, if that, clips of what's going on, and obviously we all emotionally we get attached to the moment because regardless of what's going on, it's a human life. And me and Kevin have been clear on this show: human lives matter. But we, at least I feel like the media has done a very good job at giving us what needs to heighten the senses around the racial discrimination and they haven't given us much backdrop on anything else that's gone on. Not to say that we're trying to justify anything, but as a police officer, can you help elaborate on just how your job has changed? You've been in this career for a while now. And so how has it changed, especially with the media only giving clips? Just just recently on the news, I heard Detroit City has had shootings towards the police not now we're not hearing anymore about police shooting we're hearing about police being shot at and that's been the case but it's been more frequent since this and so my thing is how has it changed your perception on the streets as a police officer knowing that blue lives and blue voices haven't been heard the same way the media has allowed other voices to be heard there there has been issues from the beginning since i got hired i guess I don't want to say that. That sounds kind of bad, but it's like the, one of the worst times in the world <laughs> to be a police officer. Yeah. But the changes that I've seen so far is uh, things have gotten a lot worse. So it's like now every time you tell somebody to do something, even if it's for their safety, they'll start questioning you and asking you, why are you telling them to do that? Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of throws me off. So like if I'm on a traffic stop or something, I tell uh, the people don't know who I have in this car or what the issues are going on around this car. So they're outside recording on their phones. You know, you see that all the time. If I tell them to go in the house or something and they're like, why do I have to go in the house? Or why do I have to walk away? I want to make sure you're not violating this person's rights and all of that. And I'm like, I'm not even that type of guy. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I need you. I don't need you and everybody else, you know, like uh, interrupting whatever situation is going on. I get how people are a little uncomfortable because of the things they heard, but at that point, it's like, now it becomes like interference, you know what I'm saying? So now you're interfering with me doing my job. Right. And that, to me, that is 100% media-based. So we have been trained as individuals to catch everything that we can on camera that's going to incriminate the one man that's trying to, from the start, de-escalate a situation. And so... Can we use that? Can you can you kind of just uh, sink right in and tell us as an officer how you've been trained? What are some things that, you know, what's the training like when you get hired in as a police officer? Can you kind of walk us through some of that training? And then based off of what you experience on the streets today, has that training helped? Does it need to be better? Are there things that it's missing? Or do you think that it's fully prepared you mentally and physically for what you're facing? And furthermore, is there even training that can simulate what you experience while out on patrol? I'll just jump into that last question first because that's a real good one. But I don't feel like it's kind of hard. It's like you would have to do it on the job. You would have to learn everything that you learn while doing it. It's almost impossible to simulate every, every single wild situation that can go on when you're uh, doing that yeah. type of job. But like uh, all of our training usually is... Um, so we do like physical fitness type training, obviously. And then most of the academy is like learning the, the laws and learning how certain departments work. We also get the training in de-escalation so we can just know how to talk to people. 
I would say that's more of a gift. That's more like of a gift, though. That's certain people can talk. You know, certain people can talk better than others, and certain people can, you know, right. fight or shoot or run right. better than others. So, I think that's it's something that you get. So the train the training is a good base because it'll start you off kind of giving you an idea of what to expect. It doesn't really because you. So it's like my best way to explain that is every couple months everything changes, so you never know. So like the academy training that I went through would be the exact same as the academy training people are going through today. But when I first came out as a police officer, I was, it was still where you got some, a little bit of respect. You still got a lot of people. Um, they were recording on phones and all of that. It was just brand new though. It wasn't everybody. And then now the people coming out of the academy have to experience. Nobody believes in their authority. Nobody believes that, you know, you're doing the right thing. And then they're recording, you know, everybody is recording now instead of just one person. And then, um, People don't like to pretty much like they don't trust you. They don't trust you and they don't think that you're doing the right thing, even if you're trying to. So yeah, yeah it's constantly think, evolving. Yep. So the train the training pretty much stays the same and I get why it has to be that way. But it I don't it wouldn't be next to impossible to change it to make it reflect what's going on though, you know? Mm-hmm. So it would have to be just a base and then you would have to pretty much learn everything that you're gonna learn while doing it. And I think we have to understand that and this is a this is a good point that the officer just talked about because there is no way that they're going to know what's going to happen how everything is going to play out these officers like when they're stopping somebody and somebody starts acting erratic or crazy or they're on drugs or whatever the case may be i mean there is not an amount of training sometimes for you to know exactly what you're going to do in that next moment and i think that's why it's so unfair to go on social media or to go on the news and judge what this person did based on a situation that most of us will never be in. Like as, as, the, as we are running away from danger, the police are running to the danger to keep us safe. And they're running into all kinds of situations that I will tell you right now, I mean, I can say whatever I want to say from my couch. But if I'm in that situation, I have no idea until I'm in that situation how I'm going to respond. And so I think we have to be very, very careful in how we, you know, we, we pass judgment on our blue lives. So, officer, I, I want to ask a question about because some, a lot of the videos we see that people are not complying. I mean, I'm, I, it, and, you know, somebody can correct me, you know, they can send an email or something. But somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the videos that I've seen where there have been police involved shooting, these are people who are not complying at all. They are either running away from the police. They are either being defiant, not answering the orders, not saying they're saying, well, I'm, you know, officer, I'm standing in my car. I'm standing in my car. I'm not getting out. I'm not getting out, you know, or my hands are up, but I'm still not backing towards you. I'm still, you know, whatever the case may be. When you see all of these, these videos, when somebody just does not comply, what as an officer, I mean, you know, don't you have to take force? I mean, because they have to listen and they have to obey with what you're saying. So there comes a point, even if you're sitting, even if you're not waving a gun, even if you're not being what a lot of people would say threatening, isn't that a heightened situation where you have to use force at some point to get this person to comply? Nope. It would be like you can you can ask several times and sometimes they tell us it's hard it's hard to explain it, uh, but sometimes they tell us you're asking too much. So like if I ask a person like twelve I mean, you know, something crazy, like twelve or thirteen times to get out of the car. And they're telling me, no, they're not getting out of the car. If I know they're under arrest, usually what I'm going to say is, you know, I'll tell them everything. I'm telling them everything from beginning to end. So they know exactly what's going on. Once I tell you to do something, then you understand why I'm telling you to do it because of what I just told you, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing what I say, then I have to make you do it. You know what I'm saying? There's no other, there's really no way around that. Mm-hmm. And that's what it seems like a lot of people don't understand is that uh, you said it earlier. That is resistance when I tell you to put your hands down, and you're telling me that your hands are up. If I'm telling you to put your hands down, you are now resisting because I'm telling you to do something different than what you're doing. Right, right. And you have the authority 
to do that. So talk to us a little bit about the discharge of your firearm. When are you like when and how are you trained as far as shootings are 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 concerned? Like what warrants a a discharge of your firearm? And once that firearm is discharged, you know, because we've heard that, you know, that police officers are taught shoot to kill. It's not shoot to to stop the suspect, it's shoot to kill. CPL classes are also, you know, you're taught that in CPL classes as well. So talk to us a little bit about the discharge of your firearm and what that looks like. It would be um, almost exactly the same as what you know. So if I'm in fear for my life or someone else's, because uh, that also works for you as well with a CPL, um, mm-hmm. if I'm for my life or someone else's, then I can take that action. The only reason why I'm taking that action, though, is if I literally felt like I had no other options. And I also felt like my my life or someone else's life was in danger. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much like the the, the broad. Uh, what is it like the broad paintbrush of saying yeah. how it's supposed to be? Right. Yeah. And every every instance that I've ever heard of somebody doing that, because I haven't I haven't done that. But um, yes, it's always just in fear for my life or someone else's. So talk to me a little bit then about about because some people would say, hey, can't you use less lethal force? You know, what about tasers? What about all these other things that you may have? You know, if if somebody's running away from me, you know, why why don't you just use a taser? And and why do you have to shoot? You know, why why you know why does a gun have to be involved? And I mean, I know just as a civilian, tasers don't always work. Like I mean, I've seen people get tased. And they, they could run a marathon getting tased. Like they just, you know, I mean, it's crazy, you know, or sometimes it, it sorry, it ultimately depends on your person, like whatever that person's wearing. Um, and then sometimes even that person's like mental state because uh, the taser. Yeah. I've seen that how it's not effective on certain people, mm-hmm. extremely effective on other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of the reasons why you don't see the taser being deployed in situations in certain situations is because we have to take everything into account. One of our problems is we have to think we have to. So we could be in a stressful situation, but we have to think our way through everything, every single part of it. And we still have to control as much as we can control to like protect lives and property. If I try to, it's like against the rules. So like if you're in walking in the street, it's kind of like against the rules for me to tase you in the street. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Because what the thought process is I could endanger your life by tasing you in the middle of the street because you're going to mm. fall out and then, you know, you can't, you can't do anything like if a car, I don't know, just so happens to come down the street at 45 miles an hour and hit you or something, you know? Mm. So that's another part that adds to like the stress of the job is that you have to control almost everything in that situation. That's an uncontrollable situation, you know? Right. Right. So it makes it even harder. And then you got to think, you got to think yourself through all of this stuff while being in a heightened state, you know, heightened state of awareness. Um, why being in a situation that you've probably never been in before, you know what I'm saying? You still got to, mm-hmm. I don't know, maintain your composure almost. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and that, that's, you know, it, I don't think there's too many jobs where somebody is in a life and death situation. They're being recorded. You know, half the people that's present are 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 don't don't trust them, they're saying you know uh you know thinking they're gonna do something wrong, whatever the case may be. I mean, we go to work every day, and we you know we sit at our computers or we're at we're on the line at four GM whatever. You know that you know no one's sitting there with a video camera taping every single move that we make and questioning it. But yet the people who are protecting our lives every single day now have to think about every single solitary thing that could or may happen or lose their job or or whatever just based on them doing their job you know and so you know my hat goes off out to you guys i mean it always has been my you know my brother is a police officer so you know i i understand it i get it i wanted to be a police officer but you know then i heard about that physical training then i like, no, I'm good. Um, but, uh, but, but really, I mean, I think that it's, it's something that's like super important that we understand that there's so much that goes into these stops. And when we see a 30 second clip on YouTube or Facebook, there is a whole other story to that. 
So with that being said, with, you know, seeing a 30 second clip, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Jacob Blake and just talking about how from just a male standpoint, I'm watching a, a 30 second clip of a man seems like it's walking away, hands up, walking away. Cops got his hand on his shirt. Real specific question here. Cops got his hand on his shirt. He's got a gun to him and he's yelling stop like seven or eight times. Waits for him to open the door and then he fires seven times into his back, which we know he is now paralyzed. Can you walk me through understanding that situation? I know you're not going to have an answer for that because you weren't the police officer involved in that. You don't know and we don't know everything that happened up until that point. You hear speculation that, well, he wrestled both police officers and They did try to tase him and it didn't work. And he may or may not have had a knife on him. You did elaborate on the stress of the job. You elaborate on the fact that even in that position, multiple people are yelling, multiple people are videotaping. There is a street involved. There are are kids in the car. I mean, there's so much involved. In that scenario, what would you tell someone like me who's watching it? Because the media, again, does a great job at saying, here we go again, another police brutality moment. But in the moment of us seeing things very surface and in the moment of us seeing things in the emotion of it, what would be your advice for clips like that when we see, because they're not going to stop surfacing. It's just the way our society has been trained. So what is some good advice for watching, viewing stuff like that to, to keep an account when we, when we see it? So I didn't watch the whole entire video, but just going based off of what you said, one of the things I used to always tell people is that we fight in court. That's what court is set up for. So we can yeah. argue and we can have all of our debates in court. Yeah. Whenever we're out on the street, I, I have to win. I don't have a choice. You're right. I can't just start, you know, start off the traffic stop. I already have him out of the car. I can't tell him, oh, I'm sorry. Get back in the car and we're all good. <laughs> right. And then one, you know, I even said that um, earlier, like sometimes it would be, you're saying it too much. So now I'm t- if I'm telling him like seven or eight times that he needs to stop, then I have to do something to stop him at that point. Right. And the thing I would say about people, if you were in that exact situation, if the cop told you to stop, there's probably a reason why he told you to stop. So you, you know, that like comes back to following instructions. But I heard a lot of people nowadays are upset about that, saying that, they shouldn't have to follow instructions if it was unlawful. I don't know exactly how that whole situation started, but I assume if the guy was out of the car and he was telling him not to get back in the car, then there was an issue, you know? Mm-hmm. It sounds like to me, listening, complying, obviously. And, and, and I like what you said there. You know, you gotta, you're going to fight your battles in court. And it, and it has been done. Police officers, that's their job, but they're also held to account. And you're going to take the evidence at play, at place, and they're going to fight their battles in court as well. So, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, I know we hit on the whole compliance thing. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about the emotional, the mental stress, because I really don't think, I'm not a police officer. I don't think about that. I don't, th- I don't think about the stress that that officer or any officer in any situation is going through. So I, I appreciate the fact that we're talking about it because we tend to be our own court when we're watching those videos. And, you know, why did, you know, and we ask all these questions, but I like that you said at the end of the day, you know, you're asking seven, eight times, you have to win, you have to find a way to, to win. And, and again, yeah, you and the suspect person in question, you're going to, you're going to have your days in court, obviously. And, and that's, that's a good justification to the justice system, because I feel like at times, uh, even that has shade thrown on it. So, yeah. I mean, I get how some people feel because it, it, you can see both sides of it sometimes. But um, I'll give a little story about me without saying too much. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I get pulled over sometimes because sometimes I have to like try to get to work fast and I don't have a, uh, like a take-home car or anything or a car with lights and sirens. So a few times I'll, I'll get pulled over. And if I get pulled over, you have to think about what the officer sees. So I have like, um, I got to say that right, <laughs> uh, tinted windows on my car. So we know that the two front windows, you're not supposed to have tinted, right? The driver's side and the passenger side are not supposed to be tinted. So if I ever get pulled over, the first thing I do is roll down all of my windows. If either one of you have a CPL, then you know that in the CPL class, they usually tell you that. Roll down all your windows so the officer can see everything. 
I'll turn on the lights inside the car. So this is even daytime, even daytime or nighttime. Turn the lights on inside the car so that officer can see everything. I don't put my hands out of the window and, you know, uh, start trying to make too much of a scene because I get how an officer would be uncomfortable if I start doing that because now he's thinking that I'm one of these people that, you know, is trying to record everything and trying to say that he's doing everything wrong. Probably just based off of what he's seen, you know, on the streets. And then once he comes up to the car, I just let him know I'm a police officer. I let him know where my weapon is in the car. And I'm like, and all of this coming from a police officer. I don't instantly get mad at him. You know, I'm saying I'll instantly ask him why was he pulling me over? Mm. Um, I try to like, I don't know what you call that. Like, uh, it's almost like de-escalating any type of situation that could possibly happen. You know, yeah. I'm making sure he's aware of everything that's going on and he doesn't have any issues with me because he knows, you know, everything, everything he needs to know about me at that moment. And one other thing is I also have, like I told you earlier, my license, my registration and my proof of insurance all in my wallet. So once I pull, once I, you know, once he asked for it, I have it all right there. So there's no searching around the car. There's no doing any, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, on our show, we, we want truth. We want facts. We want truth. We ultimately, we want to educate our audience. We want to educate ourselves. And so hearing even from an officer standpoint, how you handle a traffic stop. I mean, a lot of what goes on seems like it can be deescalated from the start if there's just a little education on society side on how to handle the being stopped by a law officer because it is also stressful for, I mean, there's times a cop will pull behind me. I ain't doing anything wrong, but I am, I'm sweating. Mainly I'm afraid of my wife. If I get a ticket right now and I don't even know why I'd get a ticket, but if I get a ticket right now, she's going to kill me, you know? And so, I mean, I can see how just the stress on both sides, you know what I'm saying? Anytime there's authority in the room, it's stressful. Anytime you are an authority in the room, it's stressful. And so to be able to educate ourselves, educate our audience on just becoming better people, becoming better at our jobs, becoming better at living life, I think is going to make this become a little more simple in the fact that we can handle and we can deescalate our own situations. And so I appreciate you giving us the insight on that. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And so I think what guys, what we're hearing and, and you heard from, from a police officer himself is that, you know, when he's stopped, what he does. And, and I would just encourage everybody. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are Christian and we say that, you know, we want to do things right. You know, when the police stop you comply, like it's not time to be a martyr. It's not time to, you know, to think about all of these things that, you know, that we think about sometimes it is time to listen to what the police officer is saying and and comply. Like that's, that's, you know, and I've never not complied. So I don't know, you know, cause people ask me, you know, have you ever been, you know, discriminated against or whatever the case may be. And you know what, there may have been times that I was pulled over that I was discriminated, but I wouldn't know because I comply, you know? So if the police officer asked me to get out of the car or, Ask me, you know, do I have anything else in the car? Whatever. I mean, there, I drove for a living for 10 years within a hundred mile radius of the place that I worked at. I mean, I was in every area of Michigan that you could possibly think of in, you know, all white neighborhoods, all black neighborhoods. I mean, you name it, I was there. And there was a, a few times that I was stopped and every single time that I was stopped, you know, I complied and I was also carrying sometimes many thousands of dollars worth of prescription drugs because of the, the, uh, the job that I had. And there were times that they would ask me, you know, what is that? Where, you know, who do you work for? You know, all of those type of things, you know, but I didn't get combative. I just said, Hey, here's, you know, you call my boss. Here's what I'm doing, all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's just very important for us to, to comply. Um, and, but I have a, I have one question on officer if if I'm stopped and uh, I feel that it's, I feel like something shady about the stop. I'm just, you know, just at a place where I'm just like, mm, I'm not sure what's happening here. Do I have the right as a citizen to ask for a supervisor or call into the precinct or something like that? Uh, yep, you could um, ask for a supervisor or uh, you could do both. I had it happen to me before and it was actually kind of funny to me. There was a, so the situation started off not so funny, but there was a lady that 
said there she heard on the news that there was a lot of people impersonating police officers mm-hmm. so we were in a, a a police car that was marked a little bit different so it didn't have the light bar on the top mm-hmm. so when we turned on the lights and got behind her she said that she thought it was one of those people faking being a police officer so she called she dialed 911 on her phone and then they switched over to the dispatcher and the dispatcher told us that she was going to the precinct because she didn't feel she didn't feel comfortable uh, stopping for us because she thought it was somebody impersonating police officer. So we literally just followed her to the precinct. And then, you know, like one of our supervisors came out and then we got out and did the actual traffic stop. And there was there was no issue. So you do have that right. And you can call 911. And a lot of times they'll get you over to like our, our dispatcher, our specific dispatcher, and they can talk like back and forth or whatever to help you out, uh, help even the officer out, you know? Yes. With what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you're saying if someone gets stopped and they want to call in, they can call in and this person, this particular person actually drove to the precinct. But if, if a person does that, I mean, I can just imagine if I started rolling my car <laughs> to the precinct, you know, an officer may know that's what I'm doing, but do you think that it, that the majority of officers would go along with that because I just feel like I can see a thing where, you know, I say, I'm going to do that. I start rolling to the precinct and the, like the officer says, you know, stop that car right now. Like, or something like that. Like, so, cause there's a little gray there. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, no, so that is exactly what it would be like. But in that specific case, they came like um, the dispatcher came over the radio and told us. So we already knew what was going on because usually, yes, like you're saying, I would tell you to stop right there on the spot instead of trying to keep going, you know, right. and I'm already uncomfortable that you're doing that anyway. Right. But right. Uh, she had called in, like did it just right to where it wasn't, it wasn't really a problem. I would not recommend that anybody does that. <laughs> right. But I was saying you do have a right to, you know, you can call 911 or, or you can also, uh, you know, ask for a supervisor. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's all about the way you do it, too, because it's, uh, you know, a lot of it is tact. If you're doing, if I blatantly see you ignoring everything I'm saying and you're, it's like you're trying to be funny, then mm-hmm. that's where we have a problem. So don't, like, I'm in the middle of talking to you and you're like, give me your supervisor and, <laughs> you know, all of this stuff. Try right. not to you know, make it like you're being uh, what do you call it? Like you're trying to be funny towards me or something. Right, right, right. So on the flip side, we go from somebody asking for more police officers to somebody who, and I've specifically been in the car with my best friend, and and this isn't an exaggeration. He doesn't have a criminal record. He yep. is black. Anytime he stopped, there's no less than three, four patrol cars behind his car. So can you walk me through why there's an um, extensive amount? There, there seems to be at times where it's just, just, I get the backup. I get like, if I personally, if I was a police officer, I would love for another police car to come behind and just, Hey, just kind of watch some things while I can focus on the matter at hand. And I think being pulled over, I'd understand that, you know, if to, you know, if another police officer pulled up, I'd be like, okay, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you're just looking out for your brother. However, when you see the excessive three, and I call it excessive, I don't know that it truly is, you know, three or four cars. I've been in that scenario where now I'm thinking, do they know something? I don't know what's, you know, what's going on here. So can you walk us through that? Like, I just feel like that heightens the scenario. In, in my case, it heightened my scenario. I was worried. I didn't have anything on me. I wasn't doing anything wrong. But why in that case, would there be more than, you know, another patrol? Why would there be three or four? In smaller cities, uh, all of the people that work are usually like in one man cars. Okay. So, uh, a lot of times you'll see like three or four police cars and be like, that's, that's a whole lot of officers, but it's only like three or four, you know, police officers. Okay. Also, and sometimes the smaller cities, the supervisor would just pull up, he'll just come. So you don't have to have any issues with, you know, somebody asking for a supervisor, like we talked about earlier, because mm-hmm. he's already there. And then, like you said, it's just, a lot of times it's backup. I don't want to say a lot of us don't know how to do our job. <laughs> Sometimes it could be another officer that's there to help, you know, to help out with whatever situation is like maybe something as simple as hey, I didn't have the code for this ticket or something and he did. So, you know what I'm saying? They show up just to help out with that. 
You know what I'm saying? It could be something that small, but I get what it looks like, people. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to ask the question, you know, because it, it clarified, I know it clarified, you know, for me. So anybody listening, you know, next time it happens, you just got to think, you know, because again, in my scenario, it heightened the situation severely. You know, I'm thinking something's wrong. I don't even know what's wrong. I just think something may be wrong. And then, you know, it only gets worse from there, depending on the type of personality you have as an individual only get worse from there and it's something that as a police officer you don't know what they're thinking inside that vehicle they don't know what you're thinking outside the vehicle in the beginning and so i thought it was a valid question to ask it comes to like how you talk to people because if somebody asked me i would just explain it to them like yeah they're here to help me out right right and someone like me would probably ask hey uh officer <laughs> why, why is somebody back up but and you, you we'd have that that good dialogue uh, but again, we don't always deal with situations like that. And so it's good to elaborate on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, one, one more question that's been bothering me. We hear a lot about defunding the police. I just want to ask you, when you hear defunding the police, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of abstract around, there's a lot of assumptions around defunding the police. More specifically, what is it meant when it is said defund the police? Is it simply more of a reform? Is it defunding as far as finances? And then what would you say to somebody who says we should defund the police? What would be your response? So educate us a little bit on that phrase. And then, it's all, so what I'm assuming they mean is that they, I don't know, want to take away money out of the budget. I, I don't understand. I don't understand that thing a hundred percent. I don't understand what they mean a hundred percent with it. But maybe and I'm not so sure anybody really does. You know, right. we just hear that that phrase thrown out there, and then people try to walk it back. Like, well, they don't really mean defund the police. That what they mean is, like you said, <laughs> well, they're going to cut back financially. They're going to put the money elsewhere to help reform some things. And but saying defund, I mean, that is such an active phrase. So it, it's you know, I just thought maybe we could cover that a little bit. Yeah, some people are saying that they want uh, like less police officers altogether. The thing I'll say about that is that it's we have a website that you could look at it. How many jobs are being offered, and everywhere is shorthanded. Like everywhere that I've seen, needs at least two or three, or or sometimes more than that. Mm-hmm. So when they say defund, it kind of throws me off because I'm like, we already. <laughs> don't operate off that high of a budget or well at least in my eyes it doesn't seem that way and then we don't have we already don't we're already shorthanded anyway to where every officer can literally come in to work with the uniform on and work overtime that's how you know that's how behind we are with how many officers we need does that does that answer the question yeah no absolutely no absolutely because we don't know that we don't know what your budget looks like we don't know what how how many how how staff you guys are i mean i wouldn't know that and I, um, and I don't even know what the budget looks like 100%, but, but you know, I just yeah. what I see. I, I mean, uh, yeah, and, and so just to be able to ask you, you know, what is your response to that? And for, to, for you to hear, I could work however much I want to work because we just need the help. So getting rid of or defunding what we're doing, is it seems like it would only make the matters worse as far as being able to protect our lives and make sure the justice system is being carried out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, when we, when we talk about defund the police and I, yes, I, I think you're right, Kyle, in the sense that, you know, some people are saying defund the police. I think uneducated, and I don't mean this to be mean, but people who are not educated on what that means, truly, I think basically what they're saying is please take money away from the police so that they are not out there and they can't do what they do, um, you know, and, and then there's other people who are saying take money away from, you know, directly to police officers and let's funnel that money into the criminal justice system or you know do, you know funnel that money somewhere else what but what you have to understand anytime you say defund the police i don't care what the reason behind it is you are now going to put yourself in more danger because now whatever whatever they don't have because you just defunded them is something that's going to make you less safe so if you defund them and they can't, they can't buy, you know, protective gear or they can't buy, I mean, whatever. I, I don't know all the things that they would need, but whatever those things are, you know, they can't buy extra patrol cars. They can't, you know, that just means that's a, that's one 
less car or two less cars that's going to be able to come to your house when somebody breaks into your home. So, you know, and, and all of us want the safety, you know, you, I, I promise you, if somebody breaks into your house. Yeah, you might, you might have a gun and you might, you know, try to, you know, bring some street justice, but you're always going to call 911. Right. Because you're going to want a police report just for the simple fact that you want to turn that into your insurance company. So, you know, it's kind of ridiculous to defund the police when you're going to need them, because all it does is it bites the hand in the sense that feeds you in a sense like you you're you're putting your own safety at risk by doing that. But you don't want to pay for better training. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that we always say, too, is that you really have a problem with something. Um, you have to be the change you want to see. Oh, that's so, good. No, that's so really good. If you have a problem with it, then <laughs> uh, every department, like I said, is hiring. So <laughs> right, right. You can go in and change. Hey. <laughs> no, you. One of these days, we'll talk about athletes on air, and and I love our athletes. But to be the change you want to see, not just talk about the change you want to see. That's something that I think we have to raise our homes in. That's something that as a youth pastor. I mean, it's constantly in any message that I've preached to teenagers is I don't want to just talk about the change. How are we going to apply the change? Uh, How are we going to show others around us physically? This is how you become a change. And so to hear that from a police officer, uh, it's powerful because you see it every single day. And I'm sure you're just telling yourself, I wish somebody was taught differently. I wish so-and-so was taught differently. And so that's a powerful statement. Yeah, that I got, man, I have to capitalize on that a little bit, man. That that is a powerful statement, you know. So, you know, all of you guys that are listening out there that you're just like, hey, I, you know, I, I don't like this. You take all that time to post things on social media. You're going to marches, protests. You're, you know, you're doing all of these things like you have the chance, truly, like if you've got a clean record, you have the chance to go out and actually be the person that you're saying is not doing things right. So the more of you that go out there and actually, you know, put some action to your words, the better things will be. So, you know, I mean, so it, it, it you know, it's so funny because I hear people say things like, and when it comes to the racial thing, they'll say things like, well, you know, the, the, the police force should look like the people who live in that city. Well, where are the people? who look like the people that live in that city, where are you? Like, you know, become, and and I would encourage any parent, and and even from a Christian perspective, you know, we talk, you know, both Kyle and I are pastors, and we, you know, we push our kids to be pastors, worship leaders. You know, we we just get stuck in the Christian bubble, and we're like, well, you know, my kid is not really doing anything if he's not doing something for the kingdom of God. Listen, you are doing something for the kingdom of God when your child is in the marketplace. So if they're in, that they're a, a, an attorney, if they're a police officer, if they're a, a legislator, if they're the president, I mean, all of these jobs are jobs that need to be filled by people who, you know, understand humanity, who love the preserving life, who understand that people are made in the image of God. All of these things are important. So don't, you know, if, if your child says, hey, I want to be a police officer, and I know as a parent, that could just get, get you a little crazy because you're just like, oh, my goodness, you know, especially nowadays. But let them be the change. Let this generation be the generation that rises up and says, you know what, instead of us talking about it, we're actually going to do it and we're going to be the change. So powerful, uh, officer, what you said there. Because on the flip side, I mean, I woke up this morning, had the news on, and once again, you hear about a police shooting, but this time it wasn't the police doing the shooting and it's starting to get more and more there's that's starting to become more and more of a constant where police have always had people that just didn't like them they've been shot at windows have been shot out but especially since this police brutality topic the racial tension topic i've noticed just in our own area police have been targets and so yeah. there there are people who are trying to be a change in that other flip side we desperately need that positive change we desperately need the influence of others to uh, become more positive. So, so both sides are protected the right way. Yeah. Yeah. It starts to throw you off and make you think like, you know, be careful where you wear a uniform and, you know, yeah. be careful uh, taking the same way home every night, you know, everything like that. And it shouldn't even be that way. 
Right. Well, Officer Smith, we really appreciate you being on the show today. And, you know, we're, you know, we know that you guys are doing some great things out there. And and I want to say this too, because I, I know there may be people listening to say, hey, you know, you know, Kevin, isn't there injustice out there? Yes. And we talked about this a few shows back. Do we know there's some bad apples out there? Of course, there are bad apples everywhere. And I, and I, I saw a, a statement one time on Facebook where it said that, you know, about bad apples is, you know, the police department is one place that you can't have bad apples, you know, or it says something to the effect of there is just certain, certain types of jobs that you can't have bad apples. The issue with that is no one's perfect. So there is no way if somebody gets hired to predict what's going to happen in a situation 10 years later. There's just no way. So you're going to have some bad apples that slip through the cracks, right? But we need not broad brush and bring in every single police officer in the United States of America because we have less than 1% or whatever that are bad apples. I, I, I do want to acknowledge that because these families are hurting. There are questions surrounding you know, some of these shootings. Some of them truly do look like they are not justified. And I want to be sensitive to those families and say, we are praying with you. We hear you. We understand. You know, but by the same token, let's not, let's not train this generation of young people to be lawless, to be disrespectful, to not care about the people who are protecting them. We don't want to, as a society, to move this way. It is a dangerous way to move. And so our desire today was not to say that all, you know, all police officers are right in every single thing that they do. Our desire today is to say, hey, there is another side to this coin. And we need to make sure that we're, we're bringing it up as well. So, so, yeah, well, we appreciate all you guys coming uh, every single week. We absolutely love the feedback we're getting. And Kyle, can you just tell them where to find us? Yeah, you can find us on social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook and Twitter is Thinking Out Loud Podcast. Instagram, Thinking underscore Out Loud Podcast. And we uh, also have our website and YouTube links on all of those pages as well. Absolutely. Well, guys, have a great rest of your week and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.